Today, join with us as we check out the sliding doors, those alternate paths, those different decisions that have altered not just comic book history, but pop culture at large. Just a direction here, a direction here, and things would be so much different. And in fact, they were. We look at no less than three sliding doors and one you have never heard of, one I have never talked to about on this show before. Did another group of artists come this close to forming a second Image Comics? And if they did, just how close did they come? Find out today on an all-new episode of Rob Observations. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rob Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. I have been making the comics for 38 years and I have been talking the comics on this podcast with you for the past three years and I just cannot tell you how excited I am to talk comics and, and superheroes and pop culture with you today. We are going to jump right into it as we always do as we continue to examine the impact that that the superhero comic you know con- conceptions continue to have on 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 the larger pop media um not gonna lie to you this week is comic-con week it is san diego comic-con week um few few conventions few weeks get me more excited i mean literally like i will be like waking up going is it is it, is it time for me to go to comic con yet is is is, is 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 am i having that wednesday dinner am i having that saturday dinner am i having that breakfast um it, it's just a magic time in the comics industry while other conventions have absolutely increased their their capacity have increased their attendance have 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 gone out of their way to make their shows as big as they possibly can, and they boast we're bigger than San Diego. That right there should tell you something. They're they're trying to tell you, you know, we're bigger than that show that everybody loves. Uh, look, New York Comic Con is a show that is an absolute phenomenon, and it might be, in terms of just business and commerce, the the best show that I ever do. If I do New York Comic Con in any given year. But there is something about San Diego Comic-Con that is so magical. And I've covered it here a couple times on, on the show. The palm trees, the back bay, just, I mean, you have a convention center right on the water. Now, I know a lot of Floridians are like, Liefeld, every one of our convention centers is on the water. I know, I've been there. I've, I've been there. But but San Diego, with that back bay and with the gas lamp district, uh, when, when, the, when the show is over, it's still light out. The, the sun is hanging high in the sky. It hasn't set yet. And you guys, we all just pour through that gas lamp district and we are having the very best time. Now, I'm going to tell you as a comic, uh, comic creator, I, my default setting is I'm super happy. And if you, if you have ever doubted that about me, um, just, I'm going to share with you, uh, something, uh, that, that I've routinely shared with my own family. Cause you gotta understand as I'm sitting there having a family dinner that my wife has prepared and 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 made some great uh, you know in, incredible dish and, and 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 like many of you uh you 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 maybe you yourself or or your wife or your moms uh my wife just became an even better cook in the pandemic it was it was a a a focus for her and making these great meals for us and and so uh, really this is so in 2020 a couple of years back 
really coincides with what was going on with this podcast. You know, I'd be sitting there and, and, and my wife would make this great Indian meal or this great fish dish. And I'd be sitting there looking at my my son, Chase, and my son, Luke, and my, and my daughter, Olivia. And, and, and like so much of us, right, all we had was each other. All we had during that time was each other. And I would get overwhelmed. I'm a very emotional guy. I, <laughs> I cry very easily. I'm a crier, okay, flat out. I will cry at, um, I, I will cry at Mission Impossible, okay? I will cry uh, at Haley Atwell's being overwhelmed, looking into Tom Cruise's eyes. I will, uh, I will cry at the Titanic. I will, I, I go to movies to be moved. I will cry at La La Land. The end of La La Land devastated me. As 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 I as I lose you as as a listener right now because you're like whoa whoa Liefeld is um a hundred percent a sissy pants. Um, I'm gonna tell you I'm looking at my family, and and uh, and I just wanted each of them to know if for whatever reason me dad. If I drop dead today, I have had the most exceptional life. I have uh, realized my dream of making comics, drawing comics, writing comics, publishing comics. I have gotten to know uh, all of the people that I admired and and uh, and and that I just held a special place in in my heart. The the the, the, the tremendous comic book makers, the, the the people with the tremendous impact. And I'm telling you right now, I mean. Comic books is highly populated, but I have made friends and, and, and established relationships with people who I have absolutely, you know, admired my entire life or, or struck up friendships with some of, some of the dynamic new talent who is, who is, they are absolutely influencing the culture as we speak. There's a lot of people in comics and what I'm, what I'm trying to get along, get across here is, uh, if, if I know you in comics, it's because I wanted to know you. I went out of my way to know you, and and we became pals. We became friends, and and I have been blessed, and I have been, uh, just inspired by those relationships. And and these are, you know, again, a combination of the the talent that is crushing it right now, and the talent that crushed it when I was a kid, and 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 getting to create comic book characters, see them come to life on the big screen. Uh, video games, toys, action figures. I mean, I have lived a career uh, beyond, just beyond my wildest imaginations. And then I go to my family and I married a, a, a woman high above my station, way out of my league and had the most amazing children as, as I'm sure we all feel the same way about our kids. But I just want them to know that I am like, the, the happiest. My kids will tell you. They 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 know. Uh, as my son, I, I've mentioned it before. He he went off to his last his senior year in college. He is now two years out or about a year and a half out. Uh, and he said, "Dad, what's it like to read comics, sit in a beanbag, and eat candy bars all day?" And he says, "And play with action figures." And I kind of stunned by my son's assessment. And I said, "Not not so bad. It's 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 not so bad. Matter of fact, it's pretty great." So what I'm what I'm telling you about why I'm so happy is I'm going to a place. That makes me the happiest. San Diego Comic Con is where I am on full, like, super happy mode. And I will take you uh, behind the scenes of the Comic Con uh, on our wrap up show, which should be early next week. And if if I can possibly uh, do a do a current a a live uh, podcast in San Diego, I'll, I'll try and I'll try and uh, make that happen uh, and, and make that the 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 episode that's later in the week 
but super happy comic book creator guy who could not be more blessed and more just overjoyed and more thankful, just 100% thankful. And if you see me, if you see me on the street, if you see me uh, wandering the halls, say hi. You guys always do, and I love it, and I will always um, say, say hi back and greet you back. And if for some reason I am running, almost practically running, just walking super fast, that means I'm late and I have to get someplace, and you'll say, hey, Liefeld, what I've always said to most of you is, hey, catch up. Just, just catch up with me. Walk with me. Well, let, let's go. Like, you, you, let's have an interaction, but let's do it. Like, as you walk with me, because I got to get to this place. Uh, anyway, San Diego Comic Con is super, just a super exciting week, and could not be more. Just the apex of everything that we love. It's the summer show. You can say other shows are bigger. This is the biggest summer show. This is the blockbuster show of the summer season each and every year. And and other shows uh, can have there's probably more more money spent and there's more people through the doors but there's something magical about san diego this is my 41st san diego comic-con 1981 to 2023 i got to take that pandemic year out okay i got to even though in 2020 we, we my wife and i went down the week of comic-con we went down the week of and totally I, and i put all the photos up we, we wandered the convention center the hotels i uh, had dinner there that night as san diego was slowly kind of coming back to life that summer uh as as we were realizing that that we were maybe gonna manage our way through this crazy pandemic so san diego comic-con is coming up this week i could not be more excited and i could not be more excited but for the topic that we're going to share today which is sliding doors the sliding doors i love the 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 alternate possibilities. I, I obviously love the Gwyneth Paltrow sliding doors movie, which, which again, you know, which door do you go through, which opportunity, which probability happens depending on which door you walk through comic books, like, you know, the larger pop culture, whether it's music or movies or television is full of missed opportunities, alternate opportunities. I, I, the, the, the stuff that comes to mind uh, the most obvious sliding door in the last, I'd say, 20, 25 years is had Peter Jackson of Lord of the Rings uh, fame, had he gone with Miramax, with Harvey Weinstein and and his uh, his proposal, because everyone else had turned the Lord of the Rings concept down, Harvey Weinstein, uh, I mean, can you, I mean, literally, and, and, and look what's happened to Harvey Weinstein, uh, but, but, but a guy who was a huge power player, also known as Harvey Scissorhands. <laughs> The greatest, the greatest nickname given to anyone in Hollywood, Harvey Scissorhands, because he would edit your movie if he bought it. He felt like I can recut this to get maximum potential, and I guess he had a couple successes in that way. And then other, you know, filmmakers literally, absolutely feared him. The 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 creators read about the original the the uh, domestic release of Snowpiercer as, as that would have had. That would have been one of the last encounters and, and read about that visionary director and his encounter as he tried to outmaneuver um, Harvey Scissorhands who wanted to carve up that movie. And, and, and look, the, the, the original uh, uh, Snowpiercer uh, is fantastic. Not the TV show, the movie that came out 2013, 2014. And so that, that's kind of one of the last encounters uh, where, where a filmmaker was dis- discussing like, I knew what he was going to try and do, but I had to outmaneuver him. And he set forth like how he would outsmart Harvey. Peter Jackson had only one taker at the time, and it was 
Miramax and they said, we'll do two films. Well, our max is we'll do two films. Now, while this all happened, uh, the, the boys at New Line came around to the idea of seeing it more Peter Jackson's way. And, and, and Peter Jackson, I mean, let's be honest, the New Line guys saved us from Harvey Scissorhands, Lord of the Rings. That's just a fact. And Peter Jackson will tell you because I've had projects. Um, the, the, the biggest uh, collapse I've ever had is in the early 2000s. I had a movie with John Woo and Jennifer Lopez. And I had one of the uh, screenwriters uh, from Toy Story. We had a, a, everyone in the agency thought this was, as far as packages go, the greatest package in the world. And this is John Woo, you know, coming off, you know, Mission Impossible 2. Uh, this is just a couple of years outside of that. And, and, and Mission Impossible 2 at the time was the biggest Mission Impossible. But we went to every single studio. Uh, at the time, there was DreamWorks, there was Sony. And got to be honest, it was kind of tied to the fact that the, the, at the time, there were factors around um, Jennifer Lopez's early 2000s movie career. And if you go back, look, Jennifer Lopez came all the way back being a judge on American Idol and being glamorous and beautiful multiple times a week and reminding everyone, look, what, look how stunning and charismatic she is. But her, her movie career had kind of slowed down. We got a pass from every single studio on a pitch and a project that I thought was just going to nail it. Um, but occasionally, you just find, no, 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 no. Robert Kirkman has gone on record. Uh, every network passed on The Walking Dead. Every studio passed on Lord of the Rings until he got to Harvey, who said, look, I'll, I'll do it, but I have to do it at this budget and for this. And, and thank God Peter Jackson didn't sign that deal. New Line saved it, and we got those incredible, amazing films that literally changed like cinematic history, uh, the depiction of fantasy on film, the, the reception of fantasy, and gave us you know, the, the genius vision of Peter Jackson in, 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 its, you know, in its fullest representation. And if you're like me, you have all those appendix, you know, extra DVD, you know, extended editions. I mean, amazing, amazing stuff. So that, that, that's one of the, the Lord of the Rings is a giant standout. There, there's so many different, you know, sliding doors in, in regards to Walking Dead, but those aren't my stories to tell. Those aren't my stories to tell. But I, I again, and, and you know what? You know what Walking Dead and Lord of the Rings, they're, they're in really good company with a movie called Star Wars, which every studio passed on in the 70s. And you watch that documentary and you, you think back and you wonder what are the people at Paramount and Warner Brothers and Columbia, that was prior to, before Columbia was purchased by Sony. Uh, what, were, what must they have been thinking having turned down George Lucas to see what became of Star Wars, to see, you know, what they passed on. So, and really it gets down to risks. The people that take the big swings are the people who are willing to take the risk. Okay. They are the ones who are in the position to go for broke and new line went for break, broke AMC went for broke. And we're going to discuss some sliding doors today in the comics industry. Uh, some that went great, others that didn't materialize and kind of wonder what could have happened out of all of that. And, and some of it uh, was brought about by a, some, some of this, I've, I've had a sliding doors episode on deck, but what, what pushed it forth and pushed it to the top of the queue was, uh, was, a, was a message I got last week. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit, but we are going to now fully commence in this episode of, of sliding doors. I simply cannot imagine a bigger sliding doors in comic books. 
than than the one that occurred, and we've covered it. There was a secret history of the X Men episode, and and I'm going to tell you one, one thing that I totally just was so excited by was that so many different. Uh, creators in comics contacted me and said, Rob, I did not know this. Uh, I, I, I was not aware of this. And those are always the ones where I feel like the, the, it's the biggest payoff. When I, when I can get kernels of information uh, from all these different interviews, from all these different sources, and share them with you. And in, in one of those secret, secret history of X-Men, I talked about how Mr. Dave Cockrum, who we talked about in a recent episode, who I'm, whom I have the most respect for. And like I said, man, I would kill for some Dave Cockrum original art, Legion or X-Men or Futurians. Trust me, I have called around. I have tried. I have mad respect. Dave Cockrum, drew, he, he's one of the first guys that I just thought everything he drew was beautiful. The faces, the figures. Um, I just thought, and, 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 and when I mean the first guy I thought that of, it was like his faces and the designs and the concepts just immediately appealed to me at the highest level. He was one of the earliest, most commercial illustrators. I, I absolutely, as I as I look at my shelf and I see his Dave Cockrum, the Dave Cockrum Legion issues are are, are right here on a shelf, just 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 to the left of me as I as I as I do this uh, this podcast. The the Legion of superheroes work that Dave Cockrum did is stunning. It's beautiful. And again, he was molding all manner of different uh, f- influences from from murphy anderson to kurt swan but with a giant heaping helping of neil adams but he he distilled it all into his very unique dave cockrum style with a costume design uh element uh, a talent that 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 is second only to Jack Kirby. Second only. I, I, Jack Kirby, Dave Cockrum, two best costume designers, character designers in the history of comics for me. But I have shared uh, on those secret secret history of uh, the X-Men that the reason Dave Cockrum crosses the street and, and he has in his sketchbooks characters he's about to give to DC for Legion spinoff books. And in those sketchbooks are characters called Nightcrawler and Storm and Colossus. And that's... That's that's one of Dave's biggest imprints, and in, in, in one of the recent uh, rivalry uh, tr- trash talking episodes, he 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 comes, you know, he says very uh, honestly in his interview that he said, "Does it bother me that John Byrne maybe gets more of the of the attention and the acclaim for the success of the X Men than I do?" When in reality, you know, if I don't leave DC Comics, and I don't leave Legion, and I don't bring Colossus and Storm and Nightcrawler with me, there is no modern giant size x-men and and there is no truer statement that that, that you're going to hear on this episode but why why did that happen why did he leave and and again in the secret history of the x-men i go into greater detail because we don't have time to to, again do an entire episode of this but he had done this magnificent while he was drawing the legion of superheroes he had done this magnificent wedding scene that surrounded a bouncing boy uh, getting 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 married, and uh, <clears throat> he had asked he had asked for this. Uh, it's bouncing boy and duo damsel. It's a beautiful. I'm looking at it right now. This beautiful double pager. All the legion are positioned. Uh, some are up high on a platform to the right, and there's uh, two two other sets of legionnaires on on two other platforms to the left and center, dead center is uh, Duo Damsel looking lovingly at Bouncing Boy and Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad are on either side of them and Phantom Girl is kneeling giving giving the giant diamond presenting the diamond while someone uh, uh, this cool designed uh, guy officiates 
It's a beautiful double pager. It was a giant moment in the Legion of Superheroes publishing history. And it was uh, super in Superboy 200. And he had inquired about the opportunity to get that, that double pager back from DC. They weren't giving anybody their artwork back. They were not uh, giving uh, people their artwork back. And, and that was obviously frustrating to so many different artists during that period. Because as as the seventies was coming into into full bloom and and the art market for this stuff was starting to open up, I mean artists want their art there. They wanted to be able to sell their 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 stuff and make make additional income on it. But he wanted this just for himself. He wanted this just for his own personal collection. So he asked uh, DC Comics uh, and he asked his editor uh, Murray Boltonoff and he said, uh, I really want that. That double page spread, could, could I get it? Could we find a way that you could give it to me? I could buy it, whatever. He says, Murray Boltonoff tells Dave Conkrum, look, Dave, I was going to give this to you. I had this laying on my desk, and Carmen Infantino came in and said, what's this? And I informed him that I was going to give you this spread. Carmen Infantino, the publisher the publisher of DC Comics at the time, and an artist in his own own right, a giant, like one of the most famous artists to depict the Flash, said, you're not giving this back. You can't give this back. And that's the end of it. And Dave Cockrum says, if I can't have this back, I'm quitting. And that's the way it went. Later on, Dave Cockrum has confessed. He says, I wish I hadn't left when I did, a dispute with editorial that caused me to just give it all up. It's possible It's possible. Had I not left, I'd still be on the X-Men. I'd still be on the Legion today. And in which case, there would be no X-Men. At least nowhere near the X-Men you're aware of. So, so again, d- deeper in that secret history. Deeper in that secret history of X-Men episode. Again, we go into all of the different costumes. Dave Cockrum had incredible ideas and characters. Wildfire is one of my favorite Legionnaires, uh, 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 a product of, of Dave Cockrum. So, so were so many different villains um, the, and, and supporting characters and the, the costume redesigns that, that, uh, that Dave Cockrum did in, 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 in transforming the entire Legion and updating them and make them, making them even more absolutely fabulous in the 70s. So, so much of the the information and the interviews that I'm sharing with you are gleaned from different um, fan publications like the Comics Reader or uh, the 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 stuff that Marvel published, uh, the X Men Companions. I mean, these you know when I'm coming up, whether it's Amazing Heroes, whether it's Comics Interview, whether it's Comics Journal, whether it's Comics Reader, you know, Dave Cockrum. Uh, would talk to all of them. He would, talent talked to the different interview magazines, and so often that this this stuff that I'm sharing with you today is is somewhere between the X Men Companion and the Comic Reader interviews that Dave Cockrum did, and I just read directly from his quotes from those issues. So Dave Cockrum leaves in in a, in a fury over the fact that 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 his his art isn't being returned to him, and literally, you know, being in a position to grovel. Uh, which, which clearly you can tell. I mean, he, he he's kind of negotiated that they're going to give him this page because they're not giving the artwork anyway, and have the publisher saying, "No, we can't do that." There's and and it's it. I'm sure Carmen Infantino felt precedent, precedent, precedent. All these different excuses, but whatever reason, Dave, who had been dabbling with doing work at Marvel at the time, do, inking some stories, you know, being an embellisher, and and we've covered a lot of those in our inking and embellishing. 
2023 episodes how Dave was one of the greatest to ever ink. I mean, John Buscema, Don Heck, George Tuska, all Jim Starlin um, were, were the most refined and, 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 and most polished by anyone. Dave Cockrum, just jack of all trades, but amazing penciler and inker, never better than when he was inking himself. Even when other inkers like a Dan Green, like a Joe Rubenstein would do a bang up job on him. I just pure Dave and Dave even painted. He did painted covers, but this is uh, prior to him becoming the cover editor. You know, he goes over to Marvel and again, they're at that point then they're having that talk. We want to relaunch the X-Men. We want to make it an international group of characters where they're, they're kind of spitballing and enter Dave Cockrum. And he had met with Roy Thomas and he had met with Len Wein and, and, you know, he decided to show them, his sketches and his characters, and and the next thing you know, uh, Dave's sketchbooks and the care and, and Colossus and Storm and Nightcrawler. And think about that. Think about you know, yes, Wolverine uh, is probably the most famous of those characters, but but the X Men, the giant size X Men, all together, just made for an incredibly uh, potent visual, especially to me as a kid who was pulling that stuff right off the spinner racks. So I don't know that you get a bigger. Uh, shift a bigger sliding door just give him his artwork back you know and for dave himself to say in 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 multiple conversations in multiple statements the x-men on his own message board when he is refuting what what john burns says about him and how and how he how he can't believe how disrespectful he is for him to say if i don't leave dc and go to marvel there's no x-men for john burn to draw and get and blow up on and uh another thing dave cockrum did that 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 maybe you should know is he revealed the visage, the face, the appearance of Logan for the first time. The, the mask was taken off, and Dave gave him that. Now, for long-time Legion of Superhero followers like myself, he did, as a kid, I'm like, he looks a little like Timberwolf, who Dave had become very you know, popular drawing Timberwolf, who he did not create, but he refined his look on the Legion of Superheroes. So, uh, so, so, so Dave Cockrum was uh, seminal seminal in refining everything that we know and love and i don't think that there is a bigger sliding door in modern comics and i and i say this up as i'm heading down to giant to, to, to san diego comic-con looking for the best possible uh graded giant size x-men number one that i that i that i can afford i have a budget just like many of you i go to these conventions i have in my mind what i'm going to spend but i'll take a raw one i'll take a nice raw one it doesn't have to be graded but boy oh boy Giant Size X-Men number one, a seminal uh, shift in all of comics. I mean, if they don't switch out and and, and, and go with the new international uh, roster from Giant Size X-Men number one, I, I just, I don't even know what comics looks like. It's It was that big of a game changer. Now, I told you earlier, I was going to share with you uh, a, a letter that was sent to me, a, a message that was sent to me that, that, that really kind of got this entire this entire process going in, in regards to, to, to sliding doors. And, and it's going to open the door to one story. And then we're going to end up with a story that you likely have never heard before. I've never spoken of it. Uh, I, I spoke to enough people to get clearances to, to give, uh, an, enough of the story, but, but not, uh, th- th- there's going to be some names unnamed, but you're going to really like the latter part of this episode as we, we really lean into the whole concept of sliding doors and, and, and alternate uh, possibilities and opportunities. So it was just a few few days back, I got a, a uh, message from someone. And, and this, this could technically 
be one of the reviews that I share with you guys on the show, but we're going to, we're going to actually do one of those as well. But this message that I got really uh, tickled me. Uh, that, that sounded like an old person saying something. This really tickled me. That's not, that's like something my dad would say. <laughs> anyway, this is from a gentleman named Warren. We're going to leave Warren without a last name. I can give you a last name, but I'm not going to. Warren contacted me, said, Hey man, I'm really late to getting on your podcast. I just started a few weeks ago and I'm basically jumping around from different episodes to different episodes. Thank you so much for doing these. I started with the Star Wars holiday special episode, loved it. Then he talks a little about that, but he jumps down and he says, I'm jumping around here, but I have a ton of feedback for you. 1991 was the most memorable year of my life. X-Force number one, X-Men number one. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Summertime, with the West Coast Mafia reference that you mentioned. It brings to mind to me Wayne Gretzky. Now, Warren is a giant, giant hockey head. He is a massive hockey fan. He says, all of your effect at Marvel Comics compares to this Gretzky situation. Gretzky traded to LA brings about a change in hockey forever. He brings hockey to the Sun Belt. Without Gretzky's trade to the Kings, there is no Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Winnipeg doesn't move to Phoenix. Minnesota doesn't move to Dallas. There is no expansion teams in Atlanta, Tampa Bay, and Florida. Again, in my mind, your influence at Marvel and in comics equals that event in hockey. And I, and I think what he's saying is uh, not, not just me, but, but my peers. And uh, that, that's how I read it. And he's right. Living in Southern California, the LA Times, all the local papers, the media exploded when Wayne Gretzky landed in LA and started playing for the Kings. And tickets shot up and interest in hockey and 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 as someone who was really attuned to all of the different, you know, sports movements in my hometown, suddenly boom, Kings jerseys. You 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 know when that kind of stuff pops up. You know. LeBron arrives in town and suddenly the Braun jerseys are everywhere. They're in the mall. They're at the food court. Um, you know, they're just, you see people walking around in the grocery store at the parks. And, and the same thing happened. And it was much more like volatile and it was much more impactful because, you know, obviously the Lakers uh, were, 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 have been, you know, and don't believe me that there, there are sportscasters that move here and they, and they proclaim like, I've been here 10 years and I can tell you without a doubt, the Lakers is the biggest franchise in Southern California and Los Angeles. Number two would be the Dodgers and then really figured out between everything else. And, uh, and, and, and honestly, that is having lived here my entire life. That is the truth. It's Lakers, it's Dodgers. Then depending on their season, SC, depending on their season, UCLA, uh, depending on what's going on with the, the angels, the Clippers, obviously the Rams won a Super Bowl. Boom. They jumped to the head of the conversation during that period. But when the Rams played in, in Anaheim, it wasn't it wasn't as big of a deal, even though, and, and trust me, uh, first thing I did with my comic book money, uh, just, just the first royalties in the in the late 80s, I got Rams season tickets. And every year I was tra- trading, get, getting better, better, better tickets, moving down closer to, to, to the field and the, seat, and the seats that I wanted. But anyway, sports, hockey, Kings jerseys, boom, everywhere, right after that uh, Gretzky trade. And it really did put hockey on the map. I mean, the sports pages started becoming a lot more hockey, big, giant Gretzky photos. Uh, the Kings suddenly exploded. And so I understand what he's saying. I understand 
I, I understand immediately that Warren is, is putting forth here. And we did represent the new age and, and, and the, the competitive nature between myself and Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee drove everything. And even to the point where our sliding door is, even though I'm going forward and even though I am, you know, out there doing my image comics thing, planning to do my own thing. And, and again, the secret history of image comics, if I've, I don't know what I've labeled it, but I've talked about it several times on this show where it was Eric Larson, Jim Valentino, and myself meeting with Malibu Comics the year before that summer. We were the original kind of let's go indie. We, we, we love doing mainstream Marvel work, but our, our hearts are in independence and we would love to do something independent. So, so again, Eric Larson, myself, Jim Valentino, we were on track. When Todd enters the picture, and I've covered this, uh, he was not so certain because he had never done something indie and so bold. He wasn't so certain. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you, all of the things that, that Todd expressed at the time. And I know there's some of you who who have listened who listen to this podcast and you can verify this. I know many of you who go, Rob, I was working with him at the time. You nailed it. That's exactly, you know, dead, dead on. Uh, I was talking to him every single day. He was not convinced that that going that that him not moving to Batman was going to be the biggest move of his career. He felt that if he could go to Batman and get a Batman number one and get the same treatment that he got on Spider-Man, he would increase his sales. And let me tell you something. The sales matter to him. The records matter to him. There's only one comic creator I know that chases the Guinness Book of World Records. And, and the Guinness Book of World Records was, was a big deal when I was a kid. This is a So this is a modern example to you. This is a modern example. I don't see Jim Lee, myself, anybody chasing the Guinness Book of World Records, but Todd likes to get records in there. It's something that matters to him. Records, records, records. When X-Force and X-Men outsold Todd's Spider-Man, and, and he didn't see it coming. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, he did not believe that was possible. I've, I've covered here where he told me he believed that I would be fortunate to sell a million copies of X-Force. Even with all the promotion, he thinks I, I he, he told me, you're going to be lucky to sell, sell a million. And it was like, relax, Rob, appreciate that you're going to be in rarefied air. Didn't see that it would go to 5 million. Everyone knew that the X-Men and with all of that uh, promotions and the extra covers that they would that, that, that the X-Men would land at the top spot. There was no doubt. There was no doubt that X-Men wasn't going to end up having the number one. But I don't believe Todd th- saw X-Force going in there. And I also don't believe he saw the numbers. I mean, five and, and seven and a half for X-Men. Crazy, crazy numbers. So he is debating Batman. So much so that he convinces both Jim and myself to entertain a proposal to DC Comics, to sideline this image, this image comics idea and to go to DC and to make formal presentations. Jim did two drawings at this time, uh, which I got to be honest, I think they're the best Batman he's ever drawn. He was just, because I believe the uncanny X-Men and the early issues of the X-Men relaunch are the strongest work of Jim's career. There, there, there's, there's, we always talk about athletes being in the zone. Jim Lee is in the zone during this time. And the Batman drawings that he did were phenomenal. I, I don't remember seeing anything as detailed from Todd other than Todd saying, come on, I've done Batman. You guys know what my Batman looks like for you. It would be huge. And I started talking at that point, um, shifting my focus from Youngblood, which Youngblood had been advertised in Indie com- in indie comics at Mega Megaton, no less, in 1987 
1986, there was teases. I was bringing Youngblood. So Youngblood was, was, was on the map. It was happening. It didn't have to be altered or fit into something else. It was its own thing. But I, I said, well, what would I do at DC? I wouldn't compete with Batman. So I had put forth a Teen Titans proposal. And they had talked to Marv Wolfman about it. And I had an editor. And we were excited about it. Now, one of the things that we asked was a very specific commitment financially from DC Comics to give us. Because, and, and this is going to echo later on. This is going to echo in this other story. Uh, we asked for a guaranteed minimum up front. And in retrospect, it was a pittance. It was a pittance given what happened with Image Comics. But Paul Levitz, just like Carmen Infantino, not giving that art back, not giving that art back. Paul Levitz says, no way, I will not commit to that. And you guys, if you think that these numbers had seven figures in it, they did not. I, I am currently, at this point in my life, getting seven-figure checks. Jimmy's getting seven-figure checks from the sales of X-Men, from the royalties. Um, we, 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 are, we are, you know, just collecting this extreme amount of money uh, that we did never anticipated. So when people say, oh, you got into the comics for money. No, I got into comics for comics. And I just happened to be part of a new age of, of uh, fiscal prosperity. You know, a, a, a new age where, where new royalties were achieved. Dave Cockrum himself talks about his second stint on X-Men and he goes, wow, the royalties kicked in. The royalty plan got instigated and, and he was making, you know, several thousand a month in 1981-82. And he said he couldn't believe it, that kind of passive income. And those numbers just kept going on, g- kept going up from 81-82 to 91-92, okay? And we hit the pick. We, we, we hit that giant peak of, of, of this, in, these incredible sales. I was being reasonable. Um, we, never, we just all kind of understood we were in the same ballpark. But I just wanted a guarantee for the first year of a minimum payment. And Paul Levitz's was, was no way, no can do, not happening. And at that point, I'm like, well, then I'm not doing this because this now becomes a bad deal for me. And, and, and you know what it is? It's that, they, that, that it was like he, with his giant monolithic DC corporation, was saying, I'm not really sure. I, I believe you guys are a good bet. So we did what we did, what we set out to do. We bet on ourselves because they, they said the same thing to all of us. There was no way he was going to get trapped into. And again, given the heat that we had all generated, you know, maybe somebody at DC made the argument because we had heard it. Yes, we'd heard. Well, it's really not Jim Lee. It's the X-Men. Well, it's really not Rob Liefeld. It's the X office. Well, it's really not Todd. It's Spider-Man. And those are valid arguments, except Jim wasn't the other only X-Men book. Neither was I, uh, I mean, those characters hadn't existed, and 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 Todd was one of four Spider-Man books kicking ass. But but I, I get it. When when you don't want to make something happen, you will create. You will create reasons for them not not to happen. So so again, this this doesn't come to this does not come about, and 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 suddenly we are going to believe in ourselves. We're going to bet on ourselves, and you got Image Comics as a result. And as a result of Image Comics, things changed. The industry changed. What happened with us changed. The sliding door in this story is had DC met our very reasonable demands, our very reasonable kind of guarantees. We just want to guarantee. And we certainly, as you're going to hear in the next story, we didn't want it up front. We didn't ask for upfront money. We just wanted a guarantee that a certain threshold would be met. And they said no. And, and then we went on and did Image Comics and we changed the course of comics history. Uh, 
And, and we would have even if we hadn't done all these incredible sales. And you know what? Through the 90s, I've covered, I've talked to you guys about legend, about, wait for it. <laughs> you know, I'm about to say it. I got to say it in the Todd voice. Bravura! Bra- bravura! That's called Bravura. It's a label. There was legend, which had Frank Miller and, 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 and Art Adams and John Byrne and Mike Mignola. There was uh, Bravura, which had Howard Chaikin and Walt Simonson and Gil Kane. Uh, all of these different labels trying to be the next Image Comics. And they give these interviews saying, well, we're, we're kind of like Image, but... Or, and, and, <laughs> and with the legend guys, with Johnny Byrne telling, well, we're better. I love that guy. Um, anyway, the, uh, the, the, the late 90s brought about an imprint called Gorilla, Gorilla Comics. And it had writers such as Mark Wade, uh, Kurt Busick, Carl Kiesel, all kind of getting together to, to, to promote a new line of books that they were going to you know, kind of be the, the, I remember at the time it behind, behind, behind the scenes, it was the, uh, it was the, the kind of the image comics of writers. It was the writers taking the reins. This would be the writers, you know, getting together and, 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 and making their, uh, their, their, their comic book vision. And, uh, you know, Gorilla Comics, uh, short-lived imprint. Kurt Busiek, Tom Grummet, Stuart Amon, Barry, Carl Kiesel, Barry Kitson, George Perez, Mark Wade, Mike Waringo. They owned their own characters, and it was an imprint that they were going to send through Image Comics. And let me tell you something. The numbers came in on all those books. They were really dismal, uh, and, and they were each abandoned very quickly. Uh, and, and, and then there was Wizard Comics got into the kind of, kind of creator-owned game, too, and they tried to create a... Uh, uh, an assembly of creators and, and 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 say like this is our version of image comics and bottom line gorilla legend all of them are in the past image comics that image comics logo i designed that beautiful image eye that still is on all these comics we are still the survivors we are the ones that stand out and and the course of history was changed but there were many people who tried to emulate us and that brings us to our final our final sliding door our final sliding door again had DC Comics said we can take these guys off the market and 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 and, and ser- seriously can we talk about just how limited I mean you literally had uh, you know uh, for, for the day you know Michael Jordan Magic Johnson you know th- th- throw whoever else in there uh, whoever else was the hottest let's go Larry Bird walk into your door and say we want to start an NBA team and and will you finance us and somebody said no. <laughs> they and i mean and in and and in 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 uh in the mid 2000s it would have been kobe tracy mcgrady tim duncan or shaq or whoever and just no no thanks no thanks we're, we're gonna take a pass on that can you imagine the limited creative uh vision to let jim todd and rob from marvel comics record-breaking sales not for, let us walk out the door. I mean, really, I, I don't think I'll ever give that enough time. That is at the feet of one Paul Levitz, a writer I really liked. His Legion of Superheroes are great, but his business acumen, especially in this regard, horrible. Just absolutely horrible. There's no there's no other way to look at it. And, and, and literally, it was just, again, a guy who didn't want to take a risk. A guy who also told me that he thoroughly enjoyed DC being the number two comic company because number one, came with so much pressure, something that Mr. Dan DiDio would find out firsthand as, as he uh, had, had his own failure to launch. The final sliding door. It, this is a story I've never shared before. So, so, so 
I'm going to try and give this the, the, the detail and the drama that it deserves, but check this out. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe you haven't. It certainly hasn't been well covered. In the mid-2000s, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the late, we're, we're approaching 2010. Around 2009, 2010 is when this kind of fails to happen. But it had been, it had, it had been building in the minds of these young artists. So we are now back to artists, not writers. Uh, some of the biggest artists of the early 2000s, you would instantly recognize that you bought all their comics. I've done blind items before. I have 100% on this show, not given away uh, identities on, on all manner of episodes. And this is going to be another one. So you're going to have to kind of fill in the blanks on your own. There will be no verifications. But uh, five, six artists, group of them, a couple of them didn't, didn't survive the final cut. Uh, were, were, had come together and, and artists from both Marvel and DC. That's why I can tell you. And they had each had kind of a seminal body of work that we as fans totally dug. These guys were super talented. They, they, they they remain super talented and they had been making impact after impact. They were creating separation. They were the, the, the artists that you guys were digging the most that we were digging the most. The guys who were filling in the gaps for the the 90s talent that had all retired. Because again, if this is your first time listening to Rob Observations, you need to know that all the big, giant talent from 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 the 90s, whether it was uh, Mark Silvestri or or Todd McFarlane or Dale Keown, Mark Teixeira, Sam Keith, myself, J. Scott Campbell, everybody took a breather. Everybody took a breather. Everyone took some time off in the early 2000s. And you know what? Just like with anything, people filled that, filled that void. New talent broke out. They, they got their vehicles. They got their, you know, they found their voices. Cliffhanger is, is another one I, fra- I failed to mention. And, and Cliffhanger probably had the most impact of any would-be image comics movement. Uh, but but the, 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 just like with image comics, getting the books out, was 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 crucial and it was more crucial because of the mistakes we had made at image comics so I, I do need to 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 put the cliffhanger guys in there and and honestly had mike turner not been at top cow and had gone with them to cliffhanger and it had been joe mad umberto ramos uh uh campbell and 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 turner man we may be looking at, at a completely different sliding door but but in the in the late 2000s as we approach 2010 the window between 2008 2010 there's a group of artists and and they again are moving the needle they are moving the needles from both marvel and from dc and they approach image comics to the point that there are physical meetings to the point that there are ongoing discussions there are uh guys getting together uh, having kind of what are we going to ask for what are we going to do these guys finally decided to pull the trigger. They wanted to have their own imprint, do a bunch of creator-owned books, enacting their own very unique vision visions, and they they call themselves Image Comics. You know, kind of Volume Two, Part Two. You know, Two Point It 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 was something they were very aware of. They were very aware that they were going to carry over these significant bodies of work, these significant stories storylines and and uh again fan favorite bodies of work they were now going to say we're doing it for ourselves we're doing it 
creator-owned. We're doing it with Image Comics. Image Comics will be our distributor. And so there's only one guy at Image Comics that I have uh, not discussed this with since that time. Because, of course, I was privy and, and hearing all these different stories. And there's only one single image partner uh, that, that I haven't discussed this with. But over time, all of the image partners... And this is just casual, like, hey, we're having breakfast in Chicago Comic-Con in 2009, and hey, Rob, did you hear this? Or at a dinner, hey, Rob, check this out. This is what's going on. And then some of these talents would call me and ask me, hey, we're thinking of doing this. We're talking to Image Comics. What what, what do you think? Uh, at least one of them absolutely picked my brain about all of it. And here's the deal. Here's the lo and behold. Here's the the, the failure to launch. Ultimately, where we went to DC and we were looking for some job security, this group of talent, and 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 again, it's it's uh, it's either late two thousand eight or mid two thousand nine. They have really convinced the powers that be that this is going to happen at Image Comics. The powers that be at, at Image Comics. The partners were aware. They had had a discussion. Then they put forth, "We need to get paid up front. We need to get paid." like we do at Marvel and DC in upfront payments, bonuses, signing, whatever it is. We need our budgets allocated to us in advance. And that's where your pushback came. And that's where, and rightfully so, not one, not two, several image partners said to these guys, and at least two of them have become the figureheads. Two of them had become the, the, the primary talkers, the primary, what you would call negotiators. The, the image partners went forth and said, look, that's not what we did. We bet on ourselves. If you believe in this, we'll give you the mechanism that, that you need. We will give you the promotions, the posters. Hey, man, you know what I have in my wall? I have a poster, a giant poster. It's one of my favorite posters for Eric Larson's Captain Victory for a book that never came out. Okay. But did Image Comics not print those posters up, have them uh, at San Diego somewhere between uh, it's 2006, 2007. And I was amped. Eric Larson was going to draw and, and create and produce Captain Victory, one of my favorite Jack Kirby concepts. Big rollout, promotion, posters, word of mouth, image. Could have given them all of this stuff easily. Fronted them all manner of, of, of promotion. Uh, the, the, the amount of promotion that these guys would have received would, would have been staggering. And that's what we did for ourselves back when we launched. You guys remember some of you bring them to me. You bring them, you bring me our jam uh, posters from the conventions that we did, the Chicago Comic Con 1992. You, you bring me the Youngblood uh, poster uh, for, for, from, from the launch. And, uh, and, and you have me sign them. And you, oh man, I hung this. I hung this on my wall. The promotions would have been there, the ad buys, the covers to previews. You know, you're like, Life, posters are cheap. Yes, they are. But again, I'm talking about poster. For a book that didn't come out, that, that there's commitment. You'd have gotten the catalog covers. You'd have gotten the sneak previews. Prior to us doing Image United, that's San Diego. We had a Image United San Diego Comic Con edition that is only available at that show. And to this day, you can only you know get it online because it was only available at that show, and it, and it was a brief limited uh, limited edition to celebrate that we were going to get together and do this. And it had an X amount of pages teasing you of what we were going to do with image United and a brand new cover that we never did anywhere before. So, so the promotions, the excitement, I could see it. It was exciting to me. It was going to be a giant game changer, but they changed 
the entire terms when they said, you have to pay us up front. Now, when you got the amount of guys that they were talking to between the five and the six who were in the rotation, that, that the asks that they were seeking were considerable in regards to Image Comics has never floated anybody, much less any group of people, uh, that th- those, those amount of budgets up front. And, and again, the, the partners said, that's not what we did. We're going to put you in a position to succeed. But what we did is we bet on ourselves. We said, and again, this isn't DC Comics saying guarantee us. We guarantee, we're asking you to guarantee us a certain payment, uh, you know, because I guess we just didn't, we just didn't trust that DC would do everything in their power to promote the books. But they wanted budgets up front and, and to get paid as they go, so there was no risk on their end. That's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. Right now, I'm, I'm drawing my independent stuff that I'm doing. No one's paying me for advance. I'm paying me. I'm paying me. And eventually, I'll put it out and try and recoup my investment in what I put put forth in uh, my my own time writing and drawing it, the anchors that I use, the colors, the letterer, the printing. Okay, that's how independent publishing happens. But at the last minute, they wanted risk removed and they wanted the budgets and the uh, money to be, you know, afforded them upfront and pay as they go. Uh, there was discussions of both. Give us our budgets upfront or just pay us as we go, as we turn it in. And at these giant page rates that they had been given by Marvel and DC at the time. And maybe you can say, well, Image should have. Uh, and I'm telling you, maybe if it had been one giant superstar, but you got five, six guys in the, in the mix and at that point, then Image is being asked to take a position that they've never done before. And with that precedent, suddenly the other 20, 30 books that Image Comics is doing, how fast do you think that spreads? And hey, can I get my budget up front? Can I get this? Can I get... Image is a back-end business. Ask Brian K. Vaughn how that did for him. Ask Robert Kirkman how that did for him. Ask any of the original Image partners how that back-end worked out. It changed everything but it's a it's a betting on oneself i don't hold those guys i don't judge them in any way they uh part of that period of time in the business and it was really set forth by ironically a couple of a couple of writers who had really gotten marvel and dc to go all in on them and to bet big on them and to give them these giant advances what happened in the early 2000s it was the history of the advances and getting companies to, hey, if you don't want me to cross the street and go here, then you need to give me this giant guaranteed money, guaranteed advance. And so these guys are just trying to take advantage of everything at their, at, 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 at their you know, disposal, what, what's possible, what is possible. And, you know, hey, we're going to get noticed, we're going to get press, we're going to get, you know, all this attention, but we're also going to get paid up front or we're going to get paid as we go which is something Image doesn't do. That's, that goes against the spirit of Image Comics. Small budgets, they've done it. They've absolutely, Image has absolutely afforded small budgets for creators who uh, are, are, are struggling and, and guys who, who are not in the same position as these guys were. So this is not a judgment call, but it is something that you may or may not have noticed or, or, or been aware of because it was very much kept quiet. And here I am a decade later talking about it, but I'm doing it in such a way that you don't know who I'm talking about. And you're going to have to guess because of course there was more than five or six talents that were, you know, impacting comic books at that time. But talks fell apart. 
and uh, when when needs weren't met, and that's when you kind of go, well, well, did you put it there because you really didn't want to do it in the first place? You put something that you you knew that the partners would not sign off on, and you can go, well, Rob, the partners didn't have the same you know wherewithal as you're saying. Paul Levitz didn't have the same. That there is absolutely a notion that you can get out of both, but Image Comics model is a back end model. The whole thing about Image Comics is you make your own comic and you keep your own comic and you keep your sales and your money. And and the, the hope is that you've budgeted to pay your talent. And again, have there been instances where Image help people go, get over the hump and help get them over the line? Yes. Are there people who are grandfathered in um, and, and the partners each have their own imprints and imprimaturs that they, you know, that they use on their own? So, so it's not the same. Most people who go into Image Comics for the comic are asked to bring it, you know, to fruition on their own, and then they get to reap the rewards. But it's a risk. It's absolutely a risk. And the one thing that these talents didn't have to risk was they had name recognition. They had tremendous heat. And, and, and that's something that, that they had built up with their connection with us. As fans, as 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 people who who were were buying their work, and some of them had gone on to books at both Marvel at DC and taken franchises that weren't established uh, juggernauts or had fallen by the wayside and not been what they used to be, and they had you know given them huge facelifts. So they had all of that going for them, and I believe the advance sales on all of their books would have been. Uh, tremendous. And I think they would have reestablished a new energy in the comic book market. It was something that I'll be honest to this day, I'm a little disappointed didn't happen because I think it would have worked huge. This is right before the crowdfunding phase. And, and now many of these talents, not these ones that I'm talking about specifically, but many of the talents out there are seeking your, your, your established guys. You see new, you know, Crowdfunding platforms, new Kickstarters, new Indiegogos launching all the time. And they can give them in 30 days some of those crazy dollars that they want to, to feel comfortable. But as a, com- as a company, Image Comics said, we, you keep calling yourselves Image Comics 2.0. You keep saying you want to be us and what we did, but we took risks. We bet on ourselves. And again, these guys had been coming off really sweet gigs and presumably had, had, you know, done very well on their gigs with both Marvel and DC. But when asked to go it and, and, and to take that bet, they backed off. They said, we want the upfront money. We want the budgets. We want the pay as we go. We, we want to eliminate this risk and get all the rewards. And the partner said, no, that's not happening. And it didn't come together and it didn't happen. And that is an incredible sliding door that I guarantee you. Uh, had it come together and had the talent, and this is the trickier part, delivered the product. And imagine being uh, being Image Comics and forwarding budgets that for books that don't come through because maybe one of those guys got a kick-ass offer to do a giant project that they never ever dreamed would have come about with with either of the two publishers that they were with. Suddenly, then Image is chasing down that investment as well. There's all manner of reasons for Image Comics to have been conservative in this way. And again, Image Comics isn't DC Comics. DC Comics is a work for hire gig. They pay 
uh, and, and they have done forwards and advances, but, but we wanted a guarantee. We wanted a guarantee. And, and it was very, I mean, honestly, the numbers were so reasonable. So the DC thing, having been, having been on both sides of that, uh, does entertain me to no end. And I think that sliding door would have been sad because Image Comics would, would have either been forever delayed or never happened. And if you're a competitor, you would honestly, going back in that time machine, you would have wanted it forever delayed, you know, never happening. But this other blind item, the, the, the Image Comics 2.0 of the late, early 2000s, <laughs> of the late aughts, <laughs> of, of, of the 2008 to 2010s, that didn't come together. That would have been interesting. That would have been an impact. That's a sliding door that I will always uh, ponder because there was, there was seriously some juice in that gig at the time. But, you know, Kesara Sara, what will be, will be, uh, shoulda, coulda, woulda is part of what, what we do when we discuss a sliding door. So, hey, I hope you enjoyed those three. One very definitive, definitive, definitive sliding door with Dave Cockrum. You know, maybe next time give him his wedding page. Uh, all of these have incredible, incredible ramifications. Warren, thank you so much for reaching out and sending me that and, and getting, getting these gears uh, kicked into high gear. And, and 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 working overtime and 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 inspiring and all sliding doors episode with the 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 great unknown last chapter what could have should have been with this uh, this group of artists that were almost going to come together and do this and look anything if if there is uh after this airs and there's anything else you hear other than what i told you that's what the deal hinged on was ultimately You've asked for this and this and this and this, and we're going to give you this and this and this, but we're not going to pay you uh, to make these books. That's not the Image Comics way. The Image Comics way is I draw a Youngblood comic, uh, characters no one's heard of. I'm I'm absolutely trading on my popularity that I got with X-Force, and what do you know? I sold a million copies, and I got a dollar a book, and I made a million dollars off Youngblood. That's believing in yourself. That's taking that risk, and it, and in in retrospect, that took about a three to four month turnaround. Not only did I make, did I sell a million copies and get a dollar a book, I got paid about 10 minutes, 10 months, 10 months faster. You know, X-Force number one, you want to know when I got that check? I got that check a year later. Marvel had a 12 month, it's, it's shortened now. Over the last 20 years, they've shortened that window. But back in the 90s, Jim will tell you, Todd will tell you, um, they held that money for, for 12 months. You did not get your June 1991 money until you got your, uh, until June 1992. So for guys like Jim and myself, we got our X-Men and our X-Force checks uh, at the same, for me, I was getting a Youngblood check about the same time that I was getting an X-Force check because Youngblood came out in April and I was already getting a check, you know, two months later. So, so whatever these guys could have done you can turn in comics. You can get paid extremely fast. You can get paid faster uh, than, than than you would uh, in any in, in any other system. So lots to consider. Lots of fun. No judgment. Fun stories. Fun possibilities. Fun sliding doors uh, that, that 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 we can consider. What could have happened had 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 these uh, other paths in any of these scenarios been taken. 
San Diego Comic-Con is upon us. I am psyched. I could not be more psyched to, to get down there. And again, I will give you stories from the front lines. Got a lot of fun stuff going on. I will um, share with you some of the fun that I'm having with the different talents that I'm having uh, as the week uh, goes by. If not from the show, the next this time next week, I will uh, give you all that access. Let me tell you something. The, the state of comic books is strong. It's very strong. It's doing well. Uh, battled through the uncertainty of the pandemic all the way to the other side. And, you know, I, I, I am really excited about all the different projects that I have coming out. My stuff, um, obviously, I want it to connect, and it has. It's selling out. I could not be more grateful. I hope to see you there. Uh, I, I'll, I have signing times that I'll share with you uh, at the Hot Flips booth. I'll, I'll get more of those details as we as we run through the, 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 this this schedule of uh, of platforms and stuff that I share with you as I do with each and every episode. And and I hope very much to see you in San Diego Comic Con during this next uh, week. What again? The summer blockbuster convention season starts this week. So given that San Diego Comic Con, I guess it's called Comic Con International now, but again, it's it's. It was always San Diego Comic-Con to me. It always will be San Diego Comic-Con. I am going to be once a day at uh, my good buddy, Jeff. He has a booth, Hot Flips. He has them all over the floor, but the Hot Flips booth that you've seen me appear at many times over the last five years, I will be at booth 5569, 5569. I will be there on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. My signings are 2.30 to 4 o'clock each and every day. It'll be 90 minutes. Uh, if, if the line is is too cumbersome, we will cut it early uh, and, and, and tell you that we're not going to be able to get to you so as to not waste your time. Uh, I, I'm, I'm locking down times when I'm going to be uh, airing live from whatnot. But uh, I'll share that with you, my whatnot information here. But I just want to wrap up that on the floor, in the back of Artist Alley, in the very back of Artist Alley, uh, I am at 5569 Hot Flips booth. I'll be there Thursday. Friday, Saturday, 2.30 to 4, 4 o'clock, uh, pending some disastrous outcome. That's my schedule. I'll be posting it all, on all my social uh, social platforms that I'll share with you here in a minute. But Whatnot is this killer app. I've been telling you about it all year long. I'm on it. Uh, I schedule shows. Sometimes a, re- a recent one I had to cancel. My partner got sick. Sometimes that, that kind of stuff happens. But we have done so many um, hundreds of shows this last year. And we connect with you in a way that is just uh, state of the art. You're, you see me. I'm live streaming. I'm sharing with you my exclusive variants, my exclusive covers. Uh, this past year, uh, exclusive New Mutants 98, facsimile, ex- uh, Amazing Spider-Man, whatnot variant, uh, uh, a brigade, killer brigade variant, a killer profit uh, variant. Uh, right now, we have Deadpool Batterblood number ones. There's like six of them that we did with whatnot and stash loot. And and so you get that stuff only from interacting with me on whatnot. So download the app, look for Rob Liefeld, uh, follow me on whatnot, and you'll get notifications when I go live. I'll be going live all throughout the week down in San Diego with all of our convention exclusives, which we have plenty of, and we cannot wait to share them with you. So follow me on whatnot. You'll get notifications when my shows are going to go live. They're, they have a house, the Hero House. I'm going to be at the Hero House a couple times. I cannot wait to interact with you. I cannot wait to share with you. We're bringing some really cool stuff, some retro toys, some pops, some art, some comics, some variants, all of that stuff under the sun. Follow me on whatnot. That's the kind of stuff you get from me on a regular basis, and we're going to make it bigger and better and more exciting for San Diego Comic-Con coming up this next week from the Hero House with whatnot. 
Now, where you can follow me online and, and keep up with so much of uh, of the of the, of the different my schedule and where I'm going to be, including you know above and beyond because I'm always adding stuff to my schedule. I'm on Twitter. Twitter, I am at Robert Liefeld. I have a blue check, uh, which signifies that I am really the Rob Liefeld, not not the fake. But I, but 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 the name is Robert. I couldn't get Rob. Somebody squatted that many years ago. Robert R O B E R T L I E F E L D. Robert Liefeld at Robert Liefeld is where you find me on Twitter. I love reading your mentions. I love reading your replies, your DMs. I I absolutely it's my favorite platform to to talk back and and uh, and and interact with the fans. So please follow me, especially this week, Robert Liefeld on Twitter to get um, the most up to date stuff of where I'll be during this incredible show. Jump over to Instagram. I'm at Rob Liefeld. I'll be giving you I'll be giving you even more updates with all the different video and 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 picture components there. Rob at at Instagram on Instagram. I am at Rob Liefeld. Just Rob Liefeld. R O B L I E F E L D. Also, another blue check tells you that I'm verified that that's really me, not one of those imposter accounts. Um, I use my Instagram to show you what food I am eating, the people I'm hanging with, the things I'm doing, the things I'm drawing. You're going to get all of that this next week. So follow me on Instagram at Rob Liefeld. I love, again, hanging out with you guys, talking with you guys, interacting with you guys so much. So look for me over there. We're going to have a great time. Follow me on Instagram at Rob Liefeld, Twitter at Robert Liefeld. What not? Follow Rob Liefeld. We have a group on Facebook. It's a group. It's called Rob Liefeld. Marvel Extreme and Beyond. We would love for you to be part of that group. We are getting new members on the daily. We would love for you to join us. So many of the discussions that we have here, we continue there. Great um, forums, discussions, comments, threads. Uh, you guys are you guys are dropping crazy uh, great artwork. There's art contests. Uh, it's just it's just a really fun community. I invite you to be a part of it. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond is the name of the group. There's two administrators, myself and a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A. We will click you through. That's how you know you made it to the right place. This is the last week. So that's that's my Facebook group. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. But this is the last week to get stuff in for my CGC private in-house signing. You guys have asked for this for years. We talked. CGC and I came to this great understanding, this great agreement. We put this date on the calendar. July 25th is the last day you can get your books in. I am desperately looking for you to get those books in, get them in the mail, get them off to me. I cannot wait to sign all of the different books. So many of you guys have been sharing me your different um, Wolverine 154, Wolverine 155, the big Deadpool Wolverine fight that resembles the fight they're putting on film right now. The one that you've seen in all the crazy uh, sets because they went outdoors and and, and unfortunately, you know, you do the set locations and and that's when that stuff gets seen. Um, A lot of excitement around Deadpool 3 with Wolverine. And, uh, and and so I'm, I'm seeing a lot of those comics. I'm seeing New Mutants 98s, New Mutants 87s, New Mutants 100s, uh, Prophet, uh, Youngblood number two, the first appearance of Prophet. There is so, you, you guys are sending me Captain Americas, you're sending me Avengers, you're sending me Snake Eyes. I am so excited to get all of these. Go to the CGC website. They're, they're, do, they're doing trading cards too. Oh my gosh, I keep forgetting they're doing trading cards. Go to the CGC site. Go to that menu, look up Rob Liefeld private signing, follow those prompts and get your books in. You can drop them off at San Diego. You can drop them off in person for me. The Rob Liefeld box is going to be there and they will take that with them to Florida. They pack everything incredibly immaculately and I will have that with me to sign. There's a Liefeld label. I totally encourage you get that rare Liefeld label. It's got my Liefeld chisel um, logo on it. Uh, can't hope, hope you're getting those. Can't wait to see how many of those we do. So anyway, go to CGC, go to the website, get a look at that menu, download it, 
uh, figure out what you can send in and get them in this week. <laughs> I'm sorry that the, the promos take so much of the end of the show, but today um, we have pushed the final review. Uh, when you guys leave reviews for me on this platform, I, re- I share them with you. Today, I am. Uh, we're, we're getting to it super late. We, Warren was embedded into the actual episode, so that was fun. That was kind of a uh, 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 an, a review and a commentary that we used to to brainstorm and, and give give uh, some further insights and even launch a, an entire topic. But when you guys write reviews on the Apple platform, on any of the different platforms, it helps us out so much. We appreciate that. It helps us uh, break out and stand out in a very competitive podcast market. I am never going to put this behind a Patreon or, or make you charge for it or, you know, substack it. This is free. This is what I give back to you. And I thank you so much for participating with me. I am so grateful that you guys are a part of this show. And uh, a, a, a person called Rob Rob. Okay, I'm familiar with this name. Rob Rob 83 wrote in. Uh, <laughs> Rob Rob, I love it. Rob Rob 83. He gave us five stars. Thank you, Rob Rob. He says, uh, wealth of knowledge and easy to listen to. He says, I am a newer listener to this podcast and I'm blown away by the wealth of comic book knowledge on display. Rob truly is a fan just like the rest of us and it comes through in his passion for the medium and all things associated with comic books. I really do appreciate all the insight and tidbits of knowledge that I doubt I would learn if not for the Rob Observations podcast. Thank you and keep up the amazing work. No, thank you from one Rob to a Rob Rob. I thank you so very much. And today, you know, as I read this, I'm like, well, you got some tidbits and you got some knowledge today that you didn't have before. And I'm so happy that we were able to share that with you. Thank you for your reviews. We read them at the end of each and every show. Uh, keep sending them in. We, 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 we appreciate them so very much. They make the world a difference to us. By the time we get to this point in the show, you know, and haven't spent this entire time, I, I just, uh, I, I'm just very uh, always cognizant and aware that some of you guys are out there, you're struggling. Look, I, my, uh, I lost my mom uh, a year ago. My wife lost her mom this year. Life has a way of just creating challenges. Um, we raised three kids. They're, they're all adults now. They are an absolute delight. I'm going to go back to what I said at this beginning of this episode. They are the true joys of my life and the true achievements beyond anything. And, and, and that is why, um, my life exceeded my dreams. And, and, and I tell them in case that I were to drop to today, you guys, um, made me so ridiculously happy and, and, and gave me a life that exceeded my dreams. It wasn't just drawing comics. It was my family. It was my wife. It was this great time we've had. Family, friends, they're important. Jobs can be a grind. Relationships can be a grind. Um, been there, done that. Had my heart broken. Had a, had, had a, had a business that frustrated me. Uh, had, had, had a friend who suddenly became disloyal. Uh, had, had health struggles with family and friends close to me. I am thinking of you. I am cognizant of this. And my my absolute wish for you is that your mental health, your emotional health, your physical and your spiritual well-being are are addressed. And and I always tell you, just step away, relax, get on the recliner, the couch, the beanbag, the sofa chair, get to a theater, get into the air conditioning, escape with a great movie. There's so many out right now. Get a big old bag a popcorn, smear it with that butter, get that soda. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely uh, promoting junk food, but, but just as a cheat meal, just as a cheat, you know, getaway. I'm not, I'm not here to promote diabetes and eat chocolate and sugar <laughs> all day long, although that would be rad. Um, 
You know, lately, my happy place, my, my wife and I, now we go to the ice cream stand, new ice cream stand open nearby. We go, we see people in the community. It's just, it's unplugged. It's me away from the board. It's me away from the podcast. And just, you know, again, the days are long. I've told you guys at the beginning of summer, there is no season I love the most. You're going to see me so happy if you happen to see me because I am a happy, happy, happy guy. And the greatest thing about this podcast is you were able to hear my voice and not uh, put because so many people on social media, they assign us with a personality we don't, we don't deserve. And maybe social media, uh, some of these platforms are getting you down too. Hey, feel free. Take a break. Social media can be a grind in and of itself. It, it, it's, uh, it's really uh, just a very difficult way to navigate. There's always people who want to rain on our parade and turn our positives into their negatives. But spend time with friends. Escape into a great, great book, a great comic book. Hey, man. Watch a great streaming show, play video games, whatever you need to do to get unplugged. I hope you have a great vacation. I hope you have those great times with your family and your friends and your loved ones. And I hope that you are doing great. And you know that even though I am not a sponsor, if you were to wash it all down with a Reese's Big Cup, you would be doing everybody a solid because those things are the very best. And I would be lying to you if I did not have one a day to keep my mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual self on point. Okay. Reese's does that for me. Anyway, you know, I've got my tongue fully in my cheek here. Hey, hope you're well. Take care of yourselves. Uh, thinking of you and, and just lifting you up. And I would very much like for you to not go away, be back, come back, come back for our next exchange. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here waiting and I'll have stories because we most certainly absolutely and inevitably are going to talk again real soon.